Why not? A queer podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Rick Todd. And I'm Jeremy Williams, and you're listening to Wine. Why not? A queer podcast. Episode 35. <laughs> Wait a minute. 36. 36. My no, notes. it's 37. <laughs> My notes are a bit off. So, episode 37. Let me get a little Jasmine fan. I feel like... I feel like I don't know what's happening right now. It's an episode of yeah. some kind of some podcast, which did, we are currently hosting. Did we look up what the 37 anniversary is? We haven't done that. That seems a very specific one. Um, I would say 37 is not... People don't even celebrate. <laughs> it's. A, I'm pretty sure people do. No, no. 37, how about this? 32 through 39 is go to dinner. Yeah, there you go. Did you look it up? Alabaster. Alabaster? Mm-hmm. Okay. A I have no idea what that is. A stone. Ooh, a stone. An alabaster stone. So this is an interesting setup. I can only see your eyebrows. But that's okay. So we're, we're yes. trying this. We're, we're, we're constantly trying to evolve uh, the product that we're putting out. So we're recording this again. We're doing it different than last time. Mm-hmm. And now I've got this Mr. Wilson from, you know... <laughs> Home improvement thing going on because I can only see like the top part. No, of No, Mr. Face. Wilson was Dennis the Menace. That's um. It was just Wilson. It wasn't. Wil- oh Mr. Wilson. yeah, just Wilson. Mr. Wilson was Dennis the Menace. Wilson without the uh, the title was Home Improvement. Or Castaway if it was without a face. Wilson. <laughs> was Love that, that movie? Did you say it that way because it's October now? Yes. <laughs> trying to be scary. Also, that's how he yells it. I, I mean, it's been a while since the movie's been out, so but he screams it like really creepy. <laughs> um, but I have a little Wilson at my desk. Uh, back when the movie came out on DVD at Blockbuster, if you um, rented the movie on opening the weekend that it came out, they gave you a mini Wilson antenna uh, that goes on your car antenna. But I never put it on my car because I was scared someone was going to steal it because it's so cool. You were saying antenna, almost Uh like you were trying to say Santana. It was confusing the hell out of me. I'm sorry. I am Southern. Antenna. (laughs) In Georgia, we call it an antenna. Can you do it in a Boston accent? (laughs) Blah, blah, antenna, blah. (laughs) That was like, what is that, a Boston Dracula? That is my Boston (laughs) Tasmanian devil. Right on. Um, well, I didn't check the emails this last time to see if we were emailed. So I bet we got thousands. If you, s- <laughs> if you sent us an email in the last week, thank you. We'll, we'll read it on the next one. Yes. Um, and there are there's more photos and stories on our Facebook I noticed, and Instagram. I noticed we had a very active social media. And uh, there will be media. more today. Um, so, uh, yeah. So give us a like uh, and follow on Facebook and the gram. Insta, as the kids call it. No? I'm being told the kids do not call it the Insta. It's called the Gram. No. IG. IG? Kids only speak in letters. So, uh, give us uh, uh, an F on the IG. (laughs) What? F is for follow. Oh, okay. (laughs) Aw. They will just be like, hey, do you... Sorry, I have no more Fs to give. Oh. If you've got a if spare you, F, give us an F in the eye. If you give an F to us, 
we will F you back. There you go. There you go. We're Fing everyone all around. We're like the Oprah of Fs. You get an F. You get an F. <laughs> Everybody gets an F. <laughs> uh, Join us hilarious. in saving Maui. Who wants an F? Uh, are you up? Are you up on the Oprah uh, controversy with Maui? No. Uh, well, it's kind of not controversial. It's like you know, old is this controversy a, from last month. Is Her- this an alleged thing or is this? No, a no, 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 no. This is actual. Uh, Oprah and The Rock when uh, the fires happened in Maui. Um, they started. Uh, they announced that they were going to donate ten million dollars uh, for the relief over there. Yes. Well, apparently, what they did is they decided to. Um, I think it's called give an in-kind don- donation, meaning that they pledged $10 million and then did a TikTok and Instagram video asking people to donate money to them so that they can give that to the Maui Relief. And social media was not having it. They're like, between the two of you, Rock and Oprah, you have like billions of dollars and then get all your billionaire friends and help those people. Don't ask us poor people who have no money to donate to you so you can give that $10 million. So they were dragged. Oprah, guess where she went on to speak, to, to plead her case? I'll give you one guess. CBS Morning News with her pal Gal. Uh, yeah. Gal pal. Um, and yeah. they were all like, Gail. And all the other CBS uh, journalists from uh, on that morning show, they were like, Oprah, you poor thing. They they were so mean to you on social media. It's nauseating. Watch the video. Um, eat the rich. Hashtag eat the rich. Anyway. <laughs> well, was, now when they made the when they made the pledge, did they say we're going to give ten million dollars? Did they say we're going to raise ten million dollars? They said we're going to donate ten million dollars, and then they put this video out and said the donation is coming from this organization we started to save Maui Mm. and we want you all of you Americans who have no money are scraping by in this economy um, to save also and this is allegedly I haven't researched this Oprah apparently has hundreds of acres of land in Maui um, which uh, the people of Maui didn't want her there allegedly um, and now uh, her land was all fine, didn't get hurt in the fire, but a bunch of people did. And now she's like, oh, save Maui, because according to social media, she wants to make some money off of her property out there. So research it. Don't listen to me. What am I, a journalist? Uh, re- <laughs> do your own research. But uh, TikTok and Instagram have no time for her or The Rock right now. Where did The Rock go to explain his case? The Rock? went under another rock. He was like, I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm not dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And he has been MIA. So the woman gets blamed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y'all anyway. leave Oprah alone. <laughs> I was like, y'all leave Oprah alone. Oprah's got enough money. Um, she can fend for herself. You know, when it comes to... is this a, Would this be a true statement? Would you, would you agree with this? That, you know, you look at people who are, like, billionaires. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh, this guy, this person's so smart. They they built this. They did this. Is is it true of like Jeff Bezos? Could you could you say it's true of him, or did he have some sort of seed money to get started? Because I feel like when it when it comes to Oprah, I mean, she earned that. I get. Here's my my just my take on it. Um, by the time you reach billionaire status, you didn't earn that all on your own." You earn that on the backs of all of your employees in your company. So yes, the first couple of million, the first hundred million, she earned that on 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 her talk show and 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 you know, 
grinding, as the kids say. Um, once you're a multi-billionaire, it's not, I made this all on my own. You used the skills and talent of a lot of people. Um, and I'm not saying it's not your money, you don't deserve the money, but you don't need to be going out there talking about how I built this empire and it's all on my shoulders, blah, 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 blah. No, you used a lot of other people's help and talent. Yeah, I, I mean, but I don't think Oprah did that. Doesn't she? I don't think, does she? Doesn't she? Does she? No. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who, where this, it's not on my sheet to talk about the merits of <laughs> Oprah, so we're going to move on uh, from all of that. Uh, what did you do this week? This week was a very entertaining week, sort of, kind of. Um, a couple of things. The first thing I want to talk about is um, uh, an update on red, white, and royal blue. Because I do enjoy a good update. What? What is this? Yes. So, um, if you haven't heard, it's this amazing book that was turned into this amazing movie. So, I got the opportunity, and we talked about this a couple episodes, to talk to the director, Matthew Lopez. Um, and in our review of the movie, I had mentioned uh, the Paris uh, make lovemaking scene. And uh, we had talked about the hands and stuff, how I thought it was symbolism of the intercourse. All that. So I asked him about that. I remember, And it's wonderful to get to relive it again. Yeah. So I asked him about it, and he confirmed that while it was not filmed like that when they were doing what the, they call B-roll, the, the, the B-cuts, that when they were in the editing room, that it did actually, they noticed how the hands look. Is this the story that you told me that you were going to tell me, but you're waiting for this moment yes, to do it? Yes, because I'm oh, so okay. excited about this. <laughs> so he confirmed that, yes, that the hands were symbolism for the intercourse. So, fast forward to last week. Not only did our story get picked up on fangirl red, white, and blue in Taiwan and Japan and Korea, they, they made a gift of the hand sliding in and they are focused on the hands being intercourse which they refer to as the Paris hand scene um, and they took clips from the interview and posted them it blew up on Twitter and this is my favorite comment there's hundreds of comments and my favorite one is I needed this information more than I need water that's not my favorite um, they're talking about the scene uh, I, I might disagree with that statement a little bit. Here, you might need water more than you needed that information. Here is my favorite from uh, individual at Rocket Harry's. Cannot imagine this scene without the hand shot. Thank you to the editor for your service. You're welcome, Rocket <laughs> Harry's. I asked the important questions, and uh, I am now, I am now beloved. In the K-pop community. <laughs> <laughs> Before long, you'll be doing blue lipstick commercials like Joey Tribbiani. I will put blue lipstick on for all of my fans in Taiwan and Korea. Um, so I was super excited. That they made gifts of the hands. They took screenshots from the, the story. Do you think that, that they knew that you were in the military? Or when they said... <laughs> Or when they said thank you for your service, they're referring to. I would be shocked. Your your hand service. I would be shocked if um, my biggest fans of my past military service was 14 and 15 year old girls in Korea and Taiwan. Um, <laughs> but uh, this got started off by, her name is Tara, um, at Galitznez Fox. Um, it's a fan site for Nicholas Galetzine, who is uh, Prince Harry in that movie, or Prince Henry, sorry. 
Um, and uh, it took off from there. And there's clips from the from the interview we did uh, all over uh, Asia media now. Really? And so I they're take, so they're taking clips from your story. Yeah, they're actually and they're putting gifts to it and making gifts. I mean, our I mean, I, I would imagine our website numbers must be crazy right now. Um, for that two-day period, oh, yeah. they're, b- they're the best numbers we've had in a while. So, If you'd like to advertise on watermarkonline.com, give us a call. Somebody, Victoria said, now this is the BTS I want. Were they sitting, lying? I need to know how their hands were. They are so obsessed with these hands, as I was. Have they not seen the movie? Well, yeah, well, we talked about uh, the, the B-roll. So, yeah. um... They had actually shot the hands on a different day when oh, they, okay. uh, the director was like, I want to get some additional shots for, uh, for the scene. So he walked us through. They had a, um, oh, what do they call him? An intimate coordinator um, on set. And they were, he was saying, okay, put your hand here, do this. He goes, another thing they locked on is he made a joke. He's le- like, it's a good thing that they got manicures the day before we did the shots. They're obsessed with the fact that these guys had manicures the day before they started shooting. Every detail of what happened in this movie, fangirls are obsessed with. Huh. And me. Fangirls and me. And so I asked the questions that the fangirls wanted to know, and they love me for it. I hear they are making a memorial for me in South <laughs> Korea. Well, congratulations, I am Jeremy. joining BTS on the road. We are going to do shows together. Who knew? Who knew when you, when you first cracked that nut that it was going to go viral like that? Who the weirdest things. I, I asked that question because I was curious about it because we talked about it. I am not in my wildest dreams did I think that is the thing that they would lock onto from the interview and that is what they would all talk about. Because we have some good questions. I hope at the end of the year that we find out that that is the, the, the biggest story of the year and that you get to tell everybody that story at the uh, retreat. I hope so too. For Ryan's sake, I hope that you I get hope, to. <laughs> I hope watermarkonline.com becomes a 24-7 love fest for red, white, and royal blue. And uh, since obviously the fans of this movie are coming to our site, uh, when Amazon's ready to announce that sequel, give us a call. We'll announce it right on our website. I I mean, it's a rebranding moment. There you go. Red, white, and and watermark blue. And watermark blue. There you go. (laughs) Um, Other than that, I almost died last weekend. Really? So, um, I told you my roommate came back into town. He almost killed you? Kind of, yeah. yeah. So, he, um, he came back into town. I and always knew he would try. He went out drinking, <laughs> as he tends to do when he comes back into town. I went to bed. I woke up uh, last uh, week, uh, last Monday, to come to work. <clears throat> and he was passed out on the couch. And he had a bag of Taco Bell next to him. Ooh. And... And uh, I'm so glad I, that ended with Taco Bell. I went to I went to put it throw it away, but then I lifted the bag and it was full of Taco Bell. And he goes, he woke up and he goes, "Don't throw that away." And I was like, "Oh, he must have just ordered it." I said, "I'm just gonna put it in the fridge. Put it in the fridge." I didn't realize that your roommate was Harvey Firestein. He is after a night of drinking. <laughs> he sounded or was like it he, Kathleen Turner? Kathleen sounded like she had been in the bars for days. She's like, put it away. Don't touch my taco. Why is it spicy? <laughs> so I go to work. I come back. Monday is when he had to go back, to, uh, fly up, back up to Massachusetts. So he left, went to the airport. I came home, empty house. I go to the fridge, and the, the Taco Bell is still there. And I was like, score. Free Taco Bell for me. <laughs> so I pulled it out. Now, this is something that grosses out uh, many members of my family. Um, but I enjoy it. I love eating cold leftovers. 
It doesn't matter what the leftovers are. So I start munching away on cold Taco Bell, and my brother comes home, and uh, he's like, is that the Taco Bell from Chris's Taco Bell? He's like, yeah. He went back to Massachusetts, so it's mine now, and I'm basically finished it up. <laughs> and he goes, Jeremy, he ordered that last night when he got home, passed out. He goes, I opened the door at 6 this morning to go to work, and the Taco Bell was sitting outside all night. <laughs> he picked it up and threw it on the counter and went to work. <laughs> I ate Taco Bell that sat out there for Lord knows how long. No, Lord knows what animals or insects crawled in and walked around and touched my food. And then I came home and freely <laughs> ate it. And it was so bad that the bugs left the food there for you. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. It was tasty. And I was frightened for a few days. I thought I was going to die. Or have really bad stomach cramps and uh, a bad experience of uh, Taco Bell leaving me. I wonder what... So that's so we're looking at like seven hours maybe? Here's what I'm seven guessing. Hours so my brother left to work at 6.30. In the humid... It's humid, right? So Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's like in a closed bag and it's humid outside. So I'm just trying to get a real real picture of what's happening the, in the, the food inside. The bacteria that's growing in there. Like it's got to be cooking slowly. I mean, what time does Taco Bell close on the weekends? Four o'clock? No, this was a Sunday night, so like two o'clock? So let's say he ordered it right before they close. That's still four and a half hours. Then I went to work at 8.30. So then it sat on the counter for two hours. <laughs> and then I put it in the fridge. At, at least by the your air conditioner was working? By this time, yes. Okay, so at least it was temperature controlled once it got inside. Yes. Um, I'm just wondering what the shelf life is on the Okay, four. So there's a possibility it was only out there for two and a half hours. Okay, I just wonder wonder what the shelf life of Taco Bell is. My in my mind, it's like three years. Oh yeah, Taco Bell lasts forever. Yeah, you don't even know when that meat was made. Those burritos and tacos probably sat on a Taco Bell shelf for eight years before it was delivered. <laughs> By the way, I don't care how long it sits on the shelf. I love Taco Bell. It's delicious. If you want to give me free Taco Bell and I'll review it for the show, by all means. You know what you should just do? Just bring me fresh Taco Bell. Don't bring, bring him the stuff fresh, that sits out. Bring him fresh Taco Bell and bring him Taco Bell that's been left out for 24 hours and Taco Bell that's been left out for 48 hours. And we'll do a taste and we'll, test. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what the real difference is. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Didn't taste that different to me. We'll see if we have any doctor friends that can come sit next to you for a couple of days. We'll do it from the, the VA hospital. You know, I too am a... I'm a fan of Taco Bell. Yeah. I, I've always been a fan. And when I went to college, there was no Taco Bell. And the closest one was thirty. What? It was thirty minutes away. Like I would have gone to college. So I ate Taco Bell every day for three weeks in preparation for not <laughs> being able to eat it. And I love it so much. My favorite thing is Mexican pizza. So clearly, when they got rid of the Mexican pizza, I was very upset. When they brought it back, very excited. Except, I don't know. Do you think they make those shells out somewhere else and they ship them into the locations? Because they're not making the the hard shells there, right? Oh no! Yeah, I'm sure they're shipped in. I tried, I tried two different Taco Bells. Didn't, can't get into it. Not, like, there's something, there's a weird taste to it now. I yeah. can't do it. I mean, I love Taco Bell. That being said, um, earlier this year I moved over near UCF here in Orlando, and there's a Del Taco over there. And I don't know what they do to their tacos, but nothing, um, I'm going to use the, the hip words, nothing slaps like a Del Taco at 2 in the morning. <laughs> I will tell you this. I, in my brain, and I have no facts to back this up. Yeah. In my brain, Del Taco 
is like what you would get if you ordered Taco Bell on Wish. Oh. And and that it makes it more deliciouser. Is Wish deliciouser? No, I mean it's just like. But we were talking about this earlier. We like, we. I don't know if it's our if our upbringing or whatever it is, but we like we like poor things. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like, like I'd like rather my have wine. I would much rather have my Menage a Trois eight dollar bottle of wine than a fancy fifty, sixty, seventy dollar bottle of wine. Right, and I would rather eat a ninety nine cent box of mac and cheese than have some Gordon Ramsay bake a nine cheese. Yes, I'm thing on you, and- but the shells and cheese. Like you have to splurge for the squishy bag of cheese. I'm sorry, we weren't that rich when I was a kid. <laughs> we always had the powder stuff too, but I when no, I got on my that's own, the, that's the magic. The magic the squish, is in the powder. The squishy, the squishy bag. When I got into adulthood and bought my own groceries, I look for that stuff. I, I like most things that are orange. Just one thing I don't. Oh, oh! <laughs> he's less orange he's today. Less orange he's less way, orange. He's yes. totally gray. Maybe it was the lighting. Life is hitting him hard. I have learned in the Just last... Just like hopefully the justice system will. I have learned in the last 21 minutes and 5 seconds that lighting can make a big difference in the that way a person looks. <gasps> Speaking of lighting, um, I bought uh, light bulbs for my bathroom uh, this weekend. Two of the light bulbs went out. And uh, uh, just some tips for people who are out there shopping for light bulbs. Read the wattage before you buy the light bulbs. <laughs> you bought the sun, didn't you? I bought four 100-watt daylight LED light bulbs. And I now, I bathe on the surface of the sun. It is so bright in my bathroom. <laughs> it reminds me of the scene from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when he flips on the Christmas lights and they're blinded in their house, the rich people, the snoots. Um, see, I like that. I like a lot of light. I just I d- do. I mean, I could Especially, see like, every one of my pores. Your, your house is, has got trees that cover it. Yes. And it's kind of, and it's got a, like a, a wall on mm-hmm, one side of it too, mm-hmm. so it can get kind of dark in there. So it's good. We need the brightness. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if it's anybody fun. wants to come use the bathroom at my house, follow the light. Follow the light. Star my bathroom lights. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Bring a present for the baby Jeremy. <laughs> Please do. In Lego form. Uh, you know, what's interesting is Dylan and I did a little house project, too. Have you gotten to the point, I know you're just renting, but have you gotten to the point where you look around your house and you're like, oh, I want to fix this or I want to do this, and you just start I just things? got to the point where I've gotten all the boxes unpacked and I've started hanging things on the wall. But I think by Christmas I'll be uh, at that I was point. like, so that's enough. Um, well, we... So you, you know when you go into a house, and I don't, I don't know if your house has this, but it's really standard when somebody's flipping a house and they want to be really cheap, they buy these lights that are like a dome and they got a little screw in the middle oh, of them. Oh, yeah. Dylan calls them um, ceiling tits. <laughs> <laughs> so we have replaced all of our ceiling tits except one, and it's in the hallway. And so we decided to, to change it. And we found this light that we really liked. And we're like, that's cool. So we made the mistake of going and buying the light that we liked, thinking everything was going to work out fine. So we yeah. come back. I unscrew the, the light that's there. And most of the time, too, people don't paint until they put all the fixtures in. So oh. there's, a, there's a ring that's a discoloring ring around it, which is like 11 inches wide. So I'm like, fine. I just need to go back and get something that's, that's wider that will cover all of that. Uh, so I had to take the light back, and I get the bigger one, and I come back. And now, when I come back, the hole in the ceiling, it's, like, janky. It's not, like, it's an older house, so yeah. it's not like, you know, like somebody 
said, oh, we're just going to cut a hole in the ceiling the size of the electric box, it looks like, you know, this like a, like Italy or something, and it's, like, weird. And so the the part that would go over it, you would see still into the attic with that one. So we had to go back and settle for getting a, a different light. It was either that or patch up the ceiling, which I wasn't going to do. Oh, Lord. So, note to self, when you get to that point where you're going to change things, take yeah. the old one off first. See what you're working yeah. with. Although your Assess house is probably the newer. The one here is probably newer. Yeah. I just, it's annoying because every time I want to do a project, you know, like with my brakes or that we talked about last time or I want to change the light, something simple. It's like, oh, this sounds really easy. Let's just do this. And then I end up four times back and forth. Yeah. So what else did you do this weekend other than uh, rewire the lighting in your house? <laughs> uh, I don't know. My week is kind of boring. Um, Nothing exciting? I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, last week I tried to, I came to Orlando because I was going to play in a softball game here in Orlando. Because yes. I play in the, on the Tampa Bay uh, LGBTQ League and I was going to come here and play last week. But the team that we were supposed to play didn't show up. And so this week I'm like, you know, they said they're short players again. They asked if I would drive in. So I left at 7 a.m. on Sunday to come play in the games because they were like at 1030 and everything's great, wonderful, until I get to Universal Studios and the skies opened up. It mm. rained all day. Uh, but the good thing is, is that you're aware of this, but I'm sure our listeners are, are not, unless they read Watermark, because they would have read it in, not the current issue, but the last one. But Sunday was my eight-year sobriety anniversary. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. I actually only stopped drinking so that people would congratulate me for stopping. The only reason I joined the military is so people would thank me for my service. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I might want to just take up drinking again for a year and then go back to it. And people are like, "You're so brave for going back." <laughs> I mean, I can make this a thing for me. Yeah. I need I need the love and the support. Um, so because the games were canceled, I was able to get to a to a meeting and get my eight year chip. Well, not really because they didn't have any. You know what's funny? When in, in, I'm not really supposed to talk about, you know, the name of this organization and things like that. It's just one of our rules. We just don't do it. So I won't ever say the name, but it's a 12-step program and you go there and, you know, they have little, they have chips that, that delineate amounts of continuous time and sobriety. And usually what'll happen is when somebody hits like a milestone, like a, you know, like multiples of years, yeah. like either their sponsor or someone they're really close to in the program will get up and they'll give a speech about them and they'll give them their chips and it's this wonderful moment. And, and I'm just like, I'm not a very good participant in this whole thing. And I, I don't, I mean, I ha technically I probably have a sponsor that I haven't talked to in probably four or five years. Mm. And it's just, um, uh, it's an interesting thing. So I go to this this thing, and I was so nervous that somebody else would be getting like a, a medallion, and that somebody would get up and give this big speech, and and, then and then they're just and then I would go up and I just raise my hand because I don't really have a lot of friends inside that that program. I mean, I know a lot of people that are in it, and, and of course we're they're all wonderful, friendly people, but we're not we don't go to dinner together. Yeah. There's one person that I know, he but he's always out of town, and so uh, there was no. There was none of that, none of that fanfare. So I, I get up to, to go get my thing, and they don't have any eight-year chips. So they were like, "We'll just give you one for symbolism." And I'm like, "Yay!" <laughs> well, it's fine. I mean, it's did, not. Did they have two four-year chips? I don't. That's what I said. <laughs> I said. I said I'll take. First of all, I was I was too busy talking to this guy I know that I was walking past to get up there, and I was like, "When did I become so old that I could have eight years of sobriety?" And then. Um, I just looked at the guy and I was like, I could take two fours or a six and a two. 
<laughs> what do we got? You got eight ones? I'll take them. Just give me a bag of white chips. It'll be fine. Um, but in, no, I mean, are I, they I joke. Are color-coded? They are for the first year. And oh, they're, okay. they're, they're color-coded. And they're, like, the, the first chip that you get when you go to these meetings is um, when you decide to, like, surrender your way of life for a better one as a white chip. That's why it's white. And then, and then, I mean, you should actually just go to one of these meetings just to hear... Gay people do everything great. I love I love gay people. And there's this whole... Some people have this whole comic routine. I mean, it's a very serious thing. It's yeah. going here and getting sober and that kind of thing. But some people make it fun. And they're hilarious. Like, they like name all the colors and they have little slogans that go with them. Like, I, I don't remember any of them because I'm not cool or funny when it comes to, to being part of this. Um, in fact, I was paranoid that they were going to ask me to, to pass out chips. Because they just tell you, you go there, they tell you what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, and I so when it gets to that point, I just, like started cleaning my ring and looking away. I'm like, please don't call me. Uh, but it was kind of cool. So we did that. It, it was just really nice to be there. And I was really glad because I liked this group a lot. And it was good to be there. Because the group I thought I was going to go to tomorrow night, they don't do it on Sundays anymore. And they oh. do it on Saturdays. And I was like, okay, well, I'll figure it all out at some point. But it was really cool. And then we went after that. Jen took me out to celebrate. <laughs> Again, because I have no friends. It was me and Jen. I told Jen while we were having lunch, I was like, you're my friend. I have a friend and I have a husband. That's my circle. I don't have a circle. I have a triangle. Uh, so uh, we went to, um, uh, what's that place? You and I went there. Kung Fu Kitchen. Oh, yeah. We went to get soup dumplings at Kung Fu Kitchen. Now, it's a, it's a, they have a... A restaurant in New York. What's funny is when we were leaving and I wanted to know how to get there really fast, I said, uh, you know, I told GPS how to get to Kung Fu Kitchen. It gave me directions to get to Times Square. Which surprisingly said it was about 15 hours and something. Is and there I was a like, Kung Fu Kitchen in Times Square? Yeah, that's the oh. original. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so they opened one here in Orlando recently. Mm-hmm. And um, Talking about what we did this past week. You and I went there this yeah, past week. Yeah. yeah, Was that this week? I think it was. And anyway, I think it's delicious. I love soup dumplings. In fact, there's this place in New York, the first place I had them. And it's not Kung Fu Kitchen. It's another place where they're incredibly delicious. And we, um, like, we talk about flying to New York. Like, it's like $200 to fly to New York. Fly to New York, take an Uber to this place, eat the soup dumplings, Uber back, and fly back. That's that's intense. That's what we would, I would do that, because they're that good. And it would probably be less time than waiting in line in the Kung Fu Kitchen. Oh, my God. This, um, <laughs> apparently, it took off on TikTok, but we went there, and uh, we were wait. We got there, what, like 20, 30 minutes before they opened? And yeah. we were waiting in a line outside, and by the time they opened the doors, the line was wrapped around the building. Yeah, and this time we got there at 12, and probably because it was a weekend, the line, we were further back in the line. Wow. But it was still enough time to get it. Yeah. From the time, we got in the line at 12, and we were eating at 1.30. Good Lord. Yeah. That's, Isn't that crazy? But it's, I thought it was, I think it's really good. Yeah, the food was good. It, I guess it's all just dependent on, you know, time, um, it's a math problem, so probably like time plus uh, goodness of soup dumplings divided by drive to equals, set place. Equals subjectivity. It's just, <laughs> they were good. They're not wait in line for an hour and a half and then order in a restaurant good. They were, they'll see, to me they are. They are, um, they, they're, they're by far better than any attempt that any other place in Central Florida has ever tried to make them. And if you think I'm wrong... And shoot me an email and tell me where, because I'm willing to try every soup dumpling in this city. 
Yes. Yes. WWN at watermarkonline.com. Um, I don't oh. know how um, uh, uh, apt you are to want to fly, but I had some really good soup dumplings when I was up in Philadelphia at a place called Tin Dum Sum, and you should go check it out. I thought you were going to say, you were going to tell me to fly to Korea and say oh. hi to your fans. <laughs> <laughs> I bet my fans make the best soup dumplings. No, it's called Tin, tin Dum Sum. And uh, they were amazing. They were really good. Um, so if you next time you're in Philly, check them out. All right. Uh, and then, so the, to cap off the evening. Yes. We went to see uh, Equalizer 3. Are you a fan of the Equalizer I do enjoy the franchise? Equalizer. Do I you... think I said this in the last meeting, or it may have been a work meeting. We were talking, oh yeah, we were talking about Equalizer 3. That is definitely a film I would go to see with my dad. Oh yeah? There, that's definitely a dad film. Oh, was I in that meeting? Because then I was like, oh, don't take your dad. <gasps> that was your the dad staff meeting. Away. Oh, right, where Caitlin bragged that her dad's still alive. Yes, the rest because 90% of Watermark employees' dads have all passed off. So, right. yeah, so we we have somebody who came in, Caitlin, her dad's still kicking, and she rubbed it in. That's fine. It's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I told that story to Jen. <laughs> I, and and, and we're not... Not to make myself sound like a horrible person, I will tell Caitlin later the jokes that we made about that, but I will oh. not say them on the air. Oh, we did, we did laugh. It is, it, is, it is a bit strange. But jokes on us, our dads aren't here. That we have a lot, uh, and it's not just current, past employees. Yeah. Almost every employee, I mean, there's probably, for, I can count on one hand, whose dads are alive. For a good, for a good four years, yeah. everyone on staff's father yeah. passed away. Or dad, you know, who raised that. I have a biological father who is yeah. a wonderful man. Um, and so when I say that my dad died, I'm talking about the guy who raised me. Mm, yes. Because he's still alive, and that would oh, be really, it would be rude to say, like, that he's dead. Oh, now, I, now he's listening. God, it just got awkward. He's, he's listening. I, he's realize, like, I assumed you're the dad who raised you and your biological dad is both passed on. Sorry. No, no, no. He's, like, hitting, he's hitting his computer right or screaming, I'm still here, you son of a bitch. He's like, check your damn emails. <laughs> yeah, maybe you would know I was alive if you had call every now and then, you know, worthless son. Uh, well, there you go. I talked to his, his wife a lot. She she comments on things that I post all the time. I talk to really my nice. dad's wife a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Equalizer Three was good. Mm. I have to check it out. It's sort of like um, I don't want to give away anything because I know you want to watch it, but it's not like any gays in it. I don't think mm, so. I guess you'll never. Our audience will never know about it. Then. I don't think so. <laughs> but it's just, it's really kind of cool because if you've seen the first couple, like especially the, the first one and the second one, because there's only three. So if you've seen the first couple, you know what I'm talking about. But there's always like this, like... Isn't there a like, Queen is, Latifah is, series also? I love it. Yeah. I love it too. Um, but there's like this, you know, major battle and like he's getting beat up and he's beating people up and all this kind of stuff. I just want to say... This was way more Denzel Washington is just a badass kind of a movie. Yeah. It was like, excuse me, you want a what? And it was really kind of cool. I enjoyed it immensely. How old is Denzel Washington now? 302. Because, like, him and Keanu Reeves, too. I mean, they're both getting up there in age. And Tom Cruise. These guys, I mean, they're like, I don't want to say double my age. because 80? 68. Oh. <laughs> I thought she said 80. 68. Uh, still, I mean, they're, these guys are like 20 years plus older than me, and there is no way I could do half the shit they do. Well, they don't. <laughs> they have stuntmen hey, that do them. Uh, except Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. 
But Tom Cruise is like, you know, it, what's interesting? He's built different. That's another thing the kids. The, say. One thing I was really, <laughs> one thing I was really excited to to go see um, in this is just that it's the Liam Neeson effect for me. It's yeah. like these these now. older badass guys that get into that that do these action movies, and I'm like, I want to see because I like to to see that and. Um, but I will say Liam Neeson and Denzel Washington—they they look like legit human beings. I don't—I don't get that sense from Tom Cruise anymore. I no, feel like the mothership has landed and done something to his human. face that he's—he doesn't look like um, a real person. Liam Neeson, I will say, absolutely believe he doesn't do any of his own stunts. Um, I saw I Taken Three, and Sometimes there's this he... one scene when he jumps over the fence, and there's literally 38 cuts. <laughs> Of him jumping. <laughs> Next time you watch Taken Three, watch to see where he jumps over the fence. There's 38 cuts of him climbing the fence, jumping over. There's no way I believe he climbed that fence. There's a there's one where in the first one where he does like a front somersault, and I totally believe that that's him. <laughs> it's it the most miraculously slow, wonderful somersault. Ah. Uh, Good times. Good times. Well, shall we? we we'll get to our, our assignments uh, for the. Let's for the, yes. Um, so. So we themed it. Yeah, we did in honor of you. In honor, in honor of me. Now I am not um, Taiwan famous for this, or Korea famous. famous. I know. I was trying. <laughs> I was trying to do the math in my head, and it wasn't coming fast enough, so I just went with the name of the country. Um, so. As, as we dis- discussed earlier, my eight-year sobriety date hit. Yes. And in honor of that, we decided to go back. Because there's this, there's, there's this, uh, this, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a myth. It's, it's not a stereotype. It's, it's just something that is believed yeah. to be true of our community, the, there is the this queer community. This, there you go. That's, that's the very difficult <laughs> word I couldn't figure out. Uh, sorry. Misconception. Or I don't know if it's a misconception. It might be true. There is this conception. <laughs> Let's go back to belief. Okay. There's this belief or understanding that, that that addiction is rampant in our community. Yes. That maybe per capita, I don't think per capita is the word, um, but proportionately um, alcoholism and drug abuse are very rampant yes. in, in our community. And, Allegedly, and, they are used more by LGBTQ people than any group in the history of the world, allegedly. That's not Maybe. A, that was a very Donald Trump statement. <laughs> I even did, did you notice so, I did the hands? So, Listen, people, I don't know this for fact, People but are saying it. People are saying the gays love the drugs and the alcohol more than anyone else. <laughs> so... So what we decided to do was to pick a couple of things that talk about recovery. Yes. And, um, you know, not just about drug abuse or alcohol abuse, but about recovery and the process that, that one goes through for that. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is that I am not at all ashamed to talk about my story. I don't, I, I, I believe zero, um, that there is zero stigmatism about my life and that it is not a, um, a reflection of me as a person. Uh, or any of that stuff. I don't feel bad about it all. In fact, I think everyone should speak out about it because yeah. the more people talk about it, the less judgmental it is. In fact, if people talked about it more, I may have realized earlier on that I was an alcoholic and I could have saved myself 
one very specific humiliating experience that I will never talk about again, and Jeremy is the only human being on the face of this earth that knows what I'm talking about. Um, Me and one other person. No, oh, kidding. no way! No, you totally kidding. told Chris. I didn't swear you? to God, I didn't. No. I swear I didn't. I'm going to slip something into your Taco Bell and Although kill maybe. you if you find out you told anybody. <laughs> I swear, I never told us. Oh, I'm sure that person did. Oh, I, I, I mean, mean th there is one other person who was involved in oh, the incident. True. Yeah. I'm sure he must have been like, you're not going to believe. He got home, he's like, bitch, listen up. <laughs> he got home and he's like, look how much money I have. And We're you're going not going to believe how I got it. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I think people should talk more about it. Yes. To, to help other people out. And, and, you know, there are some prominent figures in our community locally and probably i'm assuming nationally National, as well internationally that have passed away due to uh alcohol abuse i don't know what it's and called. people don't talk about it and i think it's important so it we is. decided to dedicate this episode to making as much fun of it just kidding, as we possibly can uh, this episode brought to you by sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on eight years. Get that man a drink. It's it's weird because it's such a serious thing, but we like to make fun of everything. We do. Um, but I mean, no, it's truly it's a struggle. It's crazy um, going through the process of it all, uh, which is why I wanted to talk about this first piece of work that we're going to talk about which is real piece of work <laughs> <laughs> i know now i want to say when i came up with this idea of doing this like in august yes like and we said okay on this date we're going to talk about these things because i had watched this show on hulu called single drunk female and it to me uh what i identified so much with it because it was such a fantastic representation of what it is like for a person who gets arrested who then is forced into some sort of program and in that program realizes, hey, I have a drinking problem and all the things that surround that. Everyone's behavior, all of her friends, her family, uh, her sponsor, the, the group, everything. And I thought, oh, this is a perfect representation, so let's talk about it. In then, the, they, then they up and canceled the show on you. Yeah, in the time <laughs> that we talked about that, they didn't just cancel the show. They wiped it out of existence. Yeah, and I don't understand this process that recently of streaming service doing this. So when shows that run on cable television or network television, they get canceled. Not only do they get canceled, but the studio pulls them off the streaming service. So you had recommended this. Apparently in July, they decided, hey, we're going to cancel this show. Also... Screw you, people who haven't seen it, and they pulled both seasons off of Hulu, and you could we couldn't find it streaming anywhere. Yeah, so I, I did not I did not appreciate it. So I was not able to go back and and rewatch all yes. of them. But although I mean, you did, I did. I um, they are for sale. You yes. can buy them. So over the weekend, I did buy them. Uh, they're available on Apple TV. They're available on YouTube TV, and they're available on Vudu. And I bought them on Vudu because that's where Somewhere. all my movies are. Somewhere every 30 minutes over the weekend, an Apple TV executive was like, hey, we just got a dollar ninety-nine for that shit thing we just had. Hey, actually, I bought mine on Voodoo, and they gave me the whole season for $14.99 a season. So I, oh, saved, wow. I saved $5. Look at that. Um, but uh, So I bought both seasons. 
Um, also, something we'll talk about a little later in the show, the movie, also not available to stream anywhere. So it was a voodoo weekend. I voodooed oh, TV yeah. and I voodooed a movie. Um, but yes, I bought both seasons of... So it's voodoo that you do? It is voodoo that I do. I, I, sorry, I just had to say that. Um, I, I don't. I watch everything on Apple. Well, see, when I buy movies, I used to buy DVDs a lot. Like, I would buy physical DVDs. And they would come with the digital code so you could watch them digitally. This was back when there was that transition from DVD to digital. All my digital codes were for Voodoo because it's owned by Walmart. So Walmart was like, hey, here's everything gets a free digital copy. And you just put that code into Voodoo. So my collection built on Voodoo to the point where it's like, there's nowhere for me to... Why would I have all my movies in other places? All in one convenient Walmart location. Where movie watching is a pleasure. I'm sure there was... Uh, I know there was a Walmart joke in there somewhere. I, my brain must not be working today. It didn't come to me fast enough. So so this show... Maybe you need a drink. <laughs> I, I know. Sometimes, sometimes, I will be honest with you, sometimes I'm like, mm, that sounds delicious. Yeah. But then, then well, you, you were a about, smoker back in the day, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I was a smoker for for probably close to twelve, thirteen years, and to this day, I'll watch a movie or a TV show and somebody's smoking, and my first thought is, God, I want to light one up. That's why I have a cigarette. <laughs> I want to smoke right alongside Julia or, Roberts and talk about our problems. Or you're you're walking down the street and somebody lights a cigarette, and then they light it. You're like, oh. But then, like, every... Again, that's probably what the first drink would be like. Because I think to myself, ooh, an ice-cold beer? That sounds yeah. so nice. And then, like, what it, what the problem is is the 10 after and then the craziness that would ensue. Yeah. Yeah. So And you... you I mean, you had a front-row seat, right? Because what what had happened What, what, happened, what was, happened was... I got... Um, well, let's say... I was, I was leaving a bar. I had been there. I had been Something very specific that happened in the show cracked me up because you two, your lives parallel, like in the first couple episodes, your lives are like parallel. Right. I think that's why I just gravitated to it so much because it was it was so much like that. So um, I was I was at a bar. I had been out drinking since five o'clock that afternoon. It was now two thirty in the morning, and it was yes. time to go home. I had received a text message from Jen that said, "I just saw on the news this is at 11. So in my defense, I had a couple more drinks and forgot all about it. But she said, the cops are out. It was a holiday weekend. She's like, the cops are out. They're doing things everywhere. So do not drive home. Like, take Uber. This is before I'd even taken Uber ever once. So yeah. I was, wasn't was familiar with how easy the process this was is. Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, Memorial Day weekend 2015. So I didn't want to take that. And I had kind of met somebody at the bar. And we were like, hey. So I was like, follow me home. And I knew I had a headlight out. What I didn't know is that I had two headlights out. And I also wasn't smart enough to lock my brights on. Mm. So I, I also didn't realize I was going in reverse. <laughs> and I didn't realize that I drove through a building. Uh, so I'm driving down, and there's a um, someone from the sheriff's department pulls is like in, in the left lane, and I'm in the right lane, and they kind of like roll their window down, like, and and then they yell. They yell at me, turn your lights on. And I went, oh, okay, thank you. And then I, my, my lights were already turned on. So I didn't really register that something was going on. So then he pulled in behind me. I was supposed to be in a golfing tournament the next day. And I immediately, when I got saw the lights, I pulled over, put it in park, pulled out my phone, and started texting everybody on my golf team. Not going to make it. <laughs> like, I just knew, right, oh, that it no. wasn't going to happen. I had been out for a long time. Yeah. 
And I did, and again, I don't mean to make light of the idea of people drinking and driving. I, I, was, I say all the time, I'm very lucky that in all of the crazy attempts that I made to get home from where I was, that no one was ever hurt. Um, but so it's a very serious thing. Take Uber, get a friend, don't drive. Um, so, but I had this in my mind as a master at passing sobriety tests on the yeah. field test on the road. And I had passed a couple, you know, so I was like, I, I think I got this. Uh, but then when the, they called in reinforcements, the DUI unit showed up Ooh. and he had a ride along. When I saw that, that ride along. doing everything by the book. When I saw that ride along, I was like, he's going to show this kid how the process works. Yep. And I'm going to jail. He's like, tonight's your night to learn, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I did then end up there in, in jail. And Jeremy, uh, well, because I refused the breathalyzer, which I feel like I heard somebody say one time, if you ever get pulled over, don't <laughs> blow into the thing. Don't give them the evidence that they need. So I didn't. And then they were like, they pulled my license out and they said, you're ready to lose this? And I said, sure. And they were like, <gasps> and I lost my license on the spot. And then, um, but they give you, like, you can go get a hardship license that you can drive just to work. So I could only drive to work. I couldn't drive to the bar, which is where Jeremy got a front row seat to the craziness that was the next couple of months until I realized. Yes, because the drinking didn't stop after that event. <laughs> no, it was, it, it's, that's when I started to realize, but a couple of months later from being, so that was, yeah, it was about October from like I got arrested in May and around October-ish or September, I had to start going to the counseling and the meetings and stuff that this program that I got put into was demanding and that's when the drinking stopped. But in that period of time in between, Jeremy was my ride. And so he, unfortunately, had to experience everything I did uh, during that time. But anyway, um, so, so the show kind of follows this time. Oh, yeah, we're talking about yeah. the show. So this, this show <laughs> follows that, that time from this, yeah. this girl who she, she, she gets arrested. Her life's kind of crazy. You get to see a little bit of her crazy life, and then she gets arrested. And then um, when she gets out of it, she enters into a 12-step program and has a, a parole officer that she has to see. And it is really about her life after that trying to become sober. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, she's a she's twenty years old. Her name's Sam. She's played by Sophia Black Delia. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, so it initially starts off with her getting into trouble because she comes to work drunk and hits her boss with a phone. Uh, she just hits him in the eye with a phone. Well, I, I mean that's one of my favorite scenes because she's he's trying to call security to have her removed. Yeah, and she, she's, all she's Yeah, because he fired her, and all she's trying to do is to stop him from calling it, but she jerks the phone out of his hand and then accidentally smacks him in the face and with it. And it looks a little more than accident. She pulls it away, and then it looks like she... I don't know. She goes in, back and to the left. You've back seen it. And to You've the left. seen it more recently than I have, and I might be biased, but I don't know that it was... But she beat the shit out of her boss. <laughs> <laughs> So she gets. Uh, He's kind of a dick anyway. So he is. He is. That that's no excuse to beat the shit out that's of somebody. True. But he is a dick. Um, so she gets arrested. Um, she has to go to AA meetings, and she ends up moving back home to Boston because this is in New York. She moves back to Boston, moves in with her mother, um, where she's going to go to meetings, and she meets her parole officer. Um, and uh, well, first she goes to the meeting. We'll talk about her first meeting. 
because she uh, that's where she meets a couple of the other uh, main characters in the show. She meets Olivia, um, who at this AA meeting, who ends up being her, her uh, sponsor. Uh, she's played by Rebecca Henderson. She's a lesbian, very successful woman. Um, she has pictures. She has a Peabody Award. She has pictures of her with Michelle Obama. Yeah, she's like the go-to lesbian now yeah, for, she's for like, acting roles. Who is she? That's what, what, what else has she been in? Um, oh, goodness. Oh, Why I, thought you you had a, I thought you had a... Ooh, uh, ooh, excuse oh, me. <laughs> Sorry. My body wanted air, but I wanted to put the words out. Good if Lord. we had the ability to edit, we would take that out, but you have to listen to it. Oh, my. Um, no, she's, uh, oh, um, Russian Doll. Oh, yes, she is in Russian Doll, yes. And she plays a lesbian in that. Yes. And so she, I read an article where she said, uh, that, well, the headline, where she said that she loved being the go-to lesbian. I dig it. Um, so she's there. Also, this is where she meets um, James, who's played by Garrett Bernard. Um, who they had met previously, and there's an episode later on in the first season that looks back at their first meeting, but they were both drunk and she doesn't remember. Uh, my favorite thing about their interaction is, I can't remember what her nickname for him was, but it was something so stupid and had nothing to do with anything, and he's just like, yeah, that was my nickname. And she goes, yeah, but you, I remember, you kept calling me Nora Jones, and he's like, well, yeah. And I look at him. She looks just like Nora Jones. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Even in his drunken state, he realized, you look exactly like Nora Jones. Um, so she goes to the meeting and, and gets all, you know, registered. I'm not sure what you do when you first get to AA, but or to your meeting. I'm not allowed to tell you. Anyway, so she gets registered. <laughs> she gets signed up with a sponsor. But then the next the, that night, she goes to the bar. And she meets her friend. Uh, Felicia, who's played by Lily Mae Harrington, who I love her in this show, has the worst Boston accent I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you know life. what's so funny is like her, the way she is in this show, yeah. you would never think that this person's name was Lily Mae. <laughs> she has a very thick, the, the, the stereotypical Boston accent. Yeah. And while I have been to Boston, I love Boston. It's a beautiful city if you ever get a chance to go. Lots of history, U.S. history there. I cannot stand the Boston accent. It's it's so grating on me. Well, you know, it's so it's okay. I mean, I, it, there are there are different types. You know, like a lot of people can't stand southern accents. Yeah. But I, like yeah. I can't stand like well, I lived this I lived somewhere. I won't say where. I'll just say the state, but I lived somewhere in North Carolina. And there there's there a very thick, heavy accent mm -hmm. that I couldn't understand sometimes and they couldn't understand me. And it was just very frustrating. But like, if you take like a Georgia, like a Savannah accent, like a southern, oh, yeah. like a southern draw from Savannah, like that, southern I can get into Bell. that. Like, that's mm. a I could deal. I could deal with that. Or accent. a Brokeback Mountain. Oh, I cannot quit you. Oh yeah, I like it. Anyway, so she goes to the bar that you night. are an impression artisan. <laughs> <laughs> she meets I, her. Friend I thought I thought I was sitting across from Heath Ledger. <laughs> <laughs> she goes to the bar and Felicia's like, hey, two beers and two shots. And Sam's like, eh, no, I'm, you know, I'm not drinking because, you know, I got arrested. And she's like, no, nah, one drink. This is the part that reminded you. It's like, I just got to have an AA meeting. Bring the drinks. <laughs> so they start knocking them back. And in the bar is Britt, who is Sam's ex-best friend, um, who they drifted apart because of Sam's drinking. Um, and she is having a bachelorette party. She's got the 
you know, I'm getting married, little banner and head, uh, what is that little crown thing they, the, that Bachelor Tiara. Tiara, thank you. That's what I was looking for. Um, and they find out that she is not only engaged to be married, but she is engaged to Sam's ex-boyfriend, Joel, who is, I think it's safe to say, super hot. Uh, very attractive. Yeah, but who is the actor? This is—I mean, I learned this today. I think it's yeah. awesome. Um, he is the son of Julia Louise Dreyfus. Yeah. Um, not only is he hot, but he comes from a very successful, wealthy family. So, if his name is Charlie Hall, if you're listening, give me a call. Um, I would make a great husband. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you listen to this podcast? Do you hear what I do all week? I'm cool. Um. So, uh, Sam does not take that uh, that news very well. So they're outside the bar. She decides she's going to drive home, wasted, and she slams into Brit's party bus, her bachelorette party bus. And she gets arrested all over again. Her sponsor comes and bails her out. And I got to tell you, Sam in the first episode, so annoying and obnoxious. I honestly, if we weren't watching this show for this, this, this show, I may have turned it off at this point because she was just so obnoxious. Um, but I'm glad I didn't because it turned out to be a really good show. Um, but she ends up, uh, after that point, taking uh, taking the, the, the program serious. Yeah. Um, yeah, she works really hard, too. Now, yeah. we, we talk about, well, we, we're, we talk about the show because we try to focus on LGBTQ characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we decided. So there's a couple. So there's a couple. There's the, there's the sponsor who is a, a lesbian that is married um, to a woman. And then there's another person involved in the meetings that is a trans woman that's like a manager at a grocery store. Yeah, so um, Sam ends up getting, because she needs a job. She ends up getting, uh, Olivia helps her get a job at this grocery store where the manager is um, uh, also uh, 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 in, re- in recovery, is that the yeah. right word? Okay, sure. Um, and she is, I have the cast listing right here. She is. Oh, good lord. Where's her name? Where is she? That's not her. That's not her. That's not her. This makes for a really good podcast. That's not her. <laughs> That's not her. Would you like me to fill in some time? Yes, please. For, for her? Please. Um, you know, it's... I, it's so interesting, like we mentioned, that this show is canceled and that there's two seasons and we have... Mindy. This, okay. <laughs> That's just it? It's just Mindy? Is that the character's name or the actress's name? Um, Jojo Brown is the name of the okay. actress. Her character's name is Melinda Mindy Moy. Call yeah, and they're, they're, and they're, they're great characters in this show. What I, yeah. you know, the thing that I like so much about the show is that, just the parallels of Sam and I, uh, but that this, this character of Mindy and her sponsor, like, that's what it's like. I mean, they're... These in, in these groups, these groups are here to help support you, but they also just don't put up with shit. You know, it's like yeah. I, I see your bullshit and I'm not putting up with it. And you know, if you're you've got to take this seriously to, to be around me or or don't be around me. And all all of that, I really appreciate that about the show. It's hard for us to like go through episode by episode and tell you everything that happens because it ends on a cliffhanger. Yes. So, so I don't we don't know what to tell you. It's a good show. I enjoy it. Here's my recommendation. I don't know if this would be Rick's recommendation. Um, really quick, we also forgot. Get one wasted of the, one and of watch the, it. <laughs> one of the big, uh, one of the bigger uh, names in here, Ali Sheedy from 1980s fame, uh, plays Sam's mother, who is 
crazy. Yeah. But she's so good in this. I love her. Uh, and then Bob, um, who is the guy that her mother is seeing, um, her, her dad, uh, Ali Sheedy's character's husband, died not too long ago, and she's getting back into dating. Um, so those, they're also two characters in the show. That was another thing I felt like that I, I related to, because she was, like, her father was dying, and she was getting drunk. Yeah. Right? And so she kind of, like, she was wasted, hung over on his funeral. Yeah. Right? And I remember that it was, it was shortly after my, well, it was a, it was about 10 months after my father died that I stopped drinking. But I remember, like, a lot of that time I spent drinking. And it just kind of was like, watching that was like, maybe I could have stopped drinking during that time and spent more time with him. Yeah. So I, I mean, I really related to that. But about Ali Sheedy, one of my favorite parts of it, it's not like it's like, oh, this is so good. But I just totally related to this because this happens all the time. And it completely happened to me. It wasn't my mom that said it, um, so I don't want my mom to think, I never said that. Uh, that is not how my mom talks. That is my impression <laughs> when I'm That's talking about my mom. everyone's impression yeah. <laughs> of their mom. So, um, but when she's back at rehab, her mom's having a glass of wine. And, she, and she's living in the house with her. And she's like, do you want a glass of wine? And she's like, no, I can't have a glass of wine. And she's like, you can't even have one glass of wine? Not even with dinner? Like, that, that concept that an alcoholic can't drink anything at all yeah. um, is so foreign to some people. Like, somebody said that to me. Like, you can't even have a glass of wine with dinner? Yeah. I, was like, no, I also love the, the part in that scene when um, Alice, like, she goes on the defensive. Well, I'm going to have a glass. Is that okay? Is that fine? Because I need my wine. And it's so true that yeah. people do that all the time. And I feel like this is kind of, I, 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 again, no facts to back this up. But I just feel like that's why I have less people that I hang out with. Because I think that, for some reason, hanging out with me makes people feel like they have to justify their drinking. When the truth is, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't give a shit at all what yeah. you're drinking. You're on a podcast where one half of the team drinks during. I mean, I think when I went, when I, when we went, I, maybe it was my 30 day chip or something like that, or it was either 30 days or a year. We went to dinner and you went and you ordered a Moscow Mule, and I was like, thank God, you know, like I don't, like please don't think that this has anything to do with you. It has yeah. nothing to do with you. But I did like that scene when the mom's like, she comes out of the meeting and her mom's like, so did you, did you talk about oh, me? Did you complain about, about me? me? She's like, it's not all about you, mom. And then she turns her head and she goes, but yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what I was saying was, um, what it's a great show. I, and I think you might have the same mindset of this. The first season feels like a more complete story than the second season. I feel like the second season, they broke everything just to give some drama to it. Yeah. Um, but I would recommend that, since you have to buy it, uh, since it's not streaming anywhere, buy the first season and watch it as just a self-contained story. Right. Um, the, I guess you could call it a cliffhanger that it ends on. Isn't even that much of a cliffhanger that's like, oh, what's going to happen in the second season? It's a very self-contained story, and what the stories and the, the themes they hit on in the first season are a lot more poignant and important than the second season, which becomes kind of a very dram dramatized, oh, look at all the chaos going on with these relationships outside of sobriety. Yeah, you'll get, you'll get the point of it and what is endearing and charming about it in yes. the first season. Um, although I will say, if you do watch the second season, um, oh, who's the guy who plays her... Um, her boyfriend in there, um, Ricky Val uh, Velez. He's a stand-up comedian. He's hilarious and adorable. If you do watch the second season, 
watch it because he's kind of hot. You're, you're going to be very surprised by this. Yeah. Did you look up the Rotten Tomatoes? I did not. Um, are there, is there critics by, end? Yeah, okay. and by season. Season one. Oh, season one. Um, I mean, season one was, was good. So I'm going to say critics gave it an 88 and audiences gave it a 91. 98 critics. Really? In, in 80, now, I did look up. I think... No, I don't... This Okay, the, the first season, I couldn't tell how many critics looked at it. In the second season, there were eight. Oh. So, so this is so what 98, was the first season? 98 82 was okay. the first season. Oh. So the second season. Second, well, second season is not as good. So we'll go down 96, 95 for for critics. We'll go down a couple points. And what was audience? It was 82 the first season. 82? The first season is better than 82. <laughs> we'll go 81 for the second season. It was, it was 82 again for the audience. Interesting. <laughs> but the critics? 100. For, ha- for eight? Well, for eight. Okay. For eight. <laughs> I mean, that's good, though. Eight people saw the show. <laughs> eight people saw it. It's like, this is good. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I firmly believe the first season is the better of the two. Um, my biggest issue with the second season is that there is no third season, and they leave a lot of unanswered questions at the end of the second season. Not their fault. They probably thought... You know, they gave us a second season. Why wouldn't they give us a third season? So we'll answer them then. But yeah, like we don't know if um, Ricky, who uh, or Alex, who is is her boyfriend, on again, off again. Um, at the end of the second season, they leave it as one of them because they work at the same magazine. He's her boss. Um, one of them are going to leave, but you don't know who. Um, they talk about her um, higher power. Um, and they hint at it at the very last oh, episode. Oh, right. Like, she's decided what her higher power yeah, is. Yeah, but yeah. they don't really tell you exactly what her higher power is. Um, so there's a lot of unanswered questions, which kind of irritates the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, but be aware of that if you're going into the sex season. But it was a good show. I liked it. I did want to ask you, as somebody who, who is uh, sober, um, what is your higher power? Do you have one? And did you do all 12 steps? You know, it's, it's funny. I, I have, I'm very slow. At the process. <laughs> what is, I'm very I am up the step step. I get a, there's this step, right, where you write down, like, everything that you hate about people, right? Oh, yeah, they talked yeah, about that. And, yeah. Oh, right. Like, and I related to that, too. I forgot all about it in the show. But it's, like, it's your fourth step, and you write down, like, all these grievances that you have. And everything them, you hate about everybody yeah, in your life. Every resentment. And they say every resentment that you have. But then the one key point, and I think this is something everybody should just do in their in their general lives. Write down everything that pisses you off. And then, like, every situation that's that's bad or gone wrong. And then in the next column, write what you did wrong. What did you do to make that situation worse? Or how did you contribute to this problem? And I think that's something that's really hard for people to do. And, and like, it's so eye-opening and, and, and gives you this greater understanding of people and, and, and of yourself and what your triggers are that make you be an asshole because a lot of drunks are assholes. Yeah. So it's like, what what... What makes you an asshole, and how do you stop doing it? And it's wonderful. And that's where I, that's where I left off. Um, there's there's some other work to, that I have to do, and one day I will get back to all of that, I'm sure. Um, but I really do like that process. What was the first part of your question? I already forgot. Well, first I do want to say, if and when you do get to that step, after you've done that, and you've written it all out, and you've written out your contributions to it, burn the book. Yeah. Because in this show, the mother, uh, Sam's mother finds the book. Burn the book. Don't leave that out because whoever reads that is not going to 
process the fact that you're just going, th- you're, you're right. working through the steps. They're just going to read all the terrible things you said about them, and right. that's what they're going to fix. And, and, and what they won't understand is like you write down everything that pisses you off, whether it's rational or not. Exactly. And so I wrote down some really irrational things that are just like you know, like I'm mad at somebody because I can hear them chewing. Like I want to bash their head in because I can hear them chewing. I mean, that's completely irrational. And so then you need to think to yourself, like, why, why does that bother you so much? Mm-hmm. And, and, and find a way to work around it. That's what it's, it's about improving who you are. It's not about what you write on that piece of paper. Yeah. And so that's the, that's, and that annoyed me, that whole scene where the mom, like, read that and said, oh, because I'm a terrible person. Well, you are, because you read it. That's a terrible thing to do. You should have oh, immediately yeah, put absolutely. it down. So, uh, but yeah, but you asked me what my higher power was. What, yeah, do you there's, have a higher power? There's, um, there's this group um, that... Uh, or there's this philosophy going around for the less religious people in AA that uh, and that to say that for most people God is their higher power. I feel like the the foundation of of a certain twelve step program group is that God is the higher power. Yeah. Um, but for people who are on the less religious side side of that, their higher power is God, which stands for a group of drunks. And so usually it is the camaraderie or the 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 collective power of everybody sharing their stories and helping keep you sober that a lot of people use as their higher power. Interesting. And okay. mine is Jen. <laughs> no, it says in there you can't have a person. No, it's it's definitely the it's definitely the the group. Humans conscious. are fallible, so you cannot have your higher power be human. Which ironically isn't all Christianity. Well, most the, like the main three monolithic uh, religions is looking at. The higher being as a human being, like it's in created. God is created in our image, or we're created in God's image. Whatever it is, doesn't that kind of contradict it? I don't want to get into a religious conversation. So send your emails. Maybe when uh, we're going to have to get high before we have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was so that's the, that's the so TV that, yes. part of this. So the other thing that we decided to do is watch. Uh, and I'm so surprised I hadn't seen this before. I don't know why it took me so long to watch. I'm surprised you hadn't seen it either. I had watched it back when it first came out, um, but I had not. It's and we'll talk about this, but I had not revisited it until this past weekend. Yeah, so it's been a few years. So we watched Rocket Man. Yes, the life story, the true 100 (laughs) percent fact-based true story of Elton John. Do you know what I think? Every time that you that you make a movie that's based on a true story, you must accompany it with a. With a accompany it with a documentary that tells the truth. Yes, or at least reference it. There's right. a lot of movies like Milk uh, with Sean Penn, the Gus Van Sant movie on Harvey Milk came out in 2008. It's based off of a documentary that came out a few years before that. Do you know what I learned recently? What's that? Diane Feinstein. Yes, was on the city council. I, I know that, that I should know this. But she's the one. I've seen that video a million times of her on the steps of City Hall yeah. saying Harvey Milk and the mayor have been killed. It never dawned on me that was Feinstein. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Rest her Shows you that my brain cells don't connect. Facts. Drink your juice. Also. I just think it's funny, too, that we're doing this whole episode and it just dawned on me that you're getting drunk over there while we did this whole episode about you're not Rhea. drunk. Just drink it. The bottle's not even empty. I have a lot oh, that of, was a judgment. I have I mean, a lot. Of, I have a lot of rice for lunch, so it's it's absorbing. Also, okay. I'm a big guy. Don't. I'm not going to one of your meetings. No. 
That's exactly how it works. So Rocket Man. Yes. The life of Elton John. So one thing I do want to mention in watching this movie again, and I realized this when I first watched it. If someone asked me to make a list of my favorite singers, uh, uh, singer-songwriters or singers in the world, unfortunately Elton John's not going to be on one of them. Like if I was doing a list of my top five favorites, Elton John wouldn't be on it. However, watching this movie, he has a lot of songs that I really love and that are really good, and it surprises me that with the amount of songs that he that he that he performed that I really enjoyed, that he's not in one of my like top five singers. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's his personality. He has, he has, is is a part of so many songs. Yeah. Like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. There are so many songs that, I don't even know if they made it on the album. So there's one called Live Like Horses. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Mm-mm. It's an incredible song, but it's not a popular song. There's so many yeah. songs that he sings that are great that people don't even know about. Prince is a lot like that. Prince has just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs that didn't make it on any albums that he wrote for other people. Um, but Elton John's like that. His hands are just widespread. But it surprises me. Like if somebody said right now, hey, what are your top five favorite singers uh, or performers, music performers? Yeah. It, Elton John wouldn't be in the top five. But he should be. It should be. But he won't. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about this show yes. that I will say right off the bat, I, it took me a few minutes to get into it. Because I walked into this thinking, I'm going to watch a biopic about Elton John. Oh, it's definitely and not it's your standard not, biopic. Yeah. It is, um, it is, uh, oh, is that how I was supposed to say that? Not biopic. It's, bo- it's potato, potato. Okay. Um, I'll take potato. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> um, that, but it, it's, it's more like a fantasy musical, yeah. um, where they use the songs to tell the story of his life. Yes. And not so much, so it's more like, you know, did you ever see the Donna Summers musical when it was touring? Did not. Okay, it's more like that, and not so much like you know, like Jersey Boys, which is like, hey, we there's this show about our life, and every now and then we sing our songs. This is like they use the songs to tell the story. Yeah, of Yeah, this is much more a musical yeah um, layout than a biopic with his songs layout, yeah. like um, Bohemian Rhapsody was. Right, yeah. and once I let myself understand that I started to enjoy it way better and once I let myself understand that the people who were in it that were singing the songs aren't really singers yeah yeah because the first the first couple like they were it's like are they pretending to sing no as far as I know now I don't know like uh, I didn't research this like deep dive this but as far as I from what I noticed everyone sings like nobody's lip singing. Everybody no, they originally all, sings. They, they, all of those are the actors, yeah. and they're singing the songs. Um, and I thought Taron Edgington did a re- yeah, he did a wonderful job. Yeah, he really did. Uh, Elton John. Um, he was he did a great job at Elton John. Yeah. he was okay at Reginald Dwight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he um yeah so he uh he he stars as, as Reginald uh, becomes Elton John. Um, but it opens with him in like a, a meeting. They're they're in a round. Yeah. There's people in a circle. He's wearing one of his flamboyant he is wearing, costumes. And I thought this was hilarious. Um, I was reading one of the reviews, and this is how somebody re- referred to the opening. He's dressed as a flamboyant devil. <laughs> and I was like, you know what he is? That is a flamboyant yeah. devil that he's wearing. Um, so he's in a meeting, and he's talking about his, you know, the the intro into his life. And it lo- it appears to be I've never been to one, but it appears to be like an AA meeting. Of some kind, um, and there's definitely you know in in some 
group, twelve-step program things. There, there are circles of chairs. They do certain. But circles. I will tell you that as much as drunk streak or drunk single drunk female was about was was realistic. By the way, every time I hear the name of that show, I hear Shelley Wright, single drunk female. <laughs> uh, it as much as that's real, like what it really is. This is this other one. No. Yeah. Oh no. No. no nobody walks in. In a costume and sits down and tells her whole life story. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Look out, AA meetings in Orlando. In the next few weeks, someone's showing up as a flamboyant devil, and I'm going to tell you my life story. Or whatever 12-step <laughs> program group that one may go to. Or, yeah, whatever 12-step. Some 12-step <laughs> something. Anyway, so um, it opens with he's talking, and then you see little Elton, who Reginald, little Reginald, and he goes running out into his street, and like this big, they start singing the bitches back. And it looks like it's gonna be this big musical number. It's gonna be one of those like over the top musicals. Like Good Morning Baltimore. Yeah. About 30 seconds into it, his mother comes out and starts screaming the screech. I love, she's played by Bruce Dallas Howard, love, Ron Howard's love, daughter. Love her. But that screech, I'm like, lady, calm down. She's just like, she's like, Reginald, get in here. Um, I do want to point out, though, that, that I, I all I did was write down moments that I yeah. really enjoyed. God, I mean, if you can start a movie with a child singing curse words, I'm going to yeah. watch it. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's in the title. He's screaming bitch. Yeah. He's like, the bitch is back. And then, and speaking like, of screaming, then speaking of screaming bitch, his mom yells at him to yeah. come inside. Um, so um, it opens, uh, he comes in into his house, and then we kind of are introduced to his family. We meet his father, who's a dick. Dick. We meet his mother, who's a bitch. <laughs> but a lovable bitch. Um, I mean, she's very unloving and uncaring to him, but in her own manner, and to the men in the neighborhood, she's very loving. <laughs> um, but then we also meet his grandmother, who... Uh, we find out at least through and I want to to preface this with this entire movie obviously is told through Elton's eyes so all of this is allegedly they were this way his parents could have been lovely right and and most of what we're going to talk about we're going to base on what we saw in the movie so if we say that something happened and then you're like that didn't happen that way well it did in the movie Elton says it did so take it up with Elton don't take it up with us that's the thing about history in general it's always through the eyes of the person that's telling it through the eyes, history is written by the winners. I believe George Washington said? I don't know. Somebody, Somebody something said Trump that. said. <laughs> history is written by the winners. Caitlin, tell us who said that. Um, and while she's looking that up, well, we, wait. we no, meet her grand, his grandmother, um, who is played by, her name is Gemma Jones. And the only thing I remember her from, um, she's a prolific uh, uh, British actress. She is the mother of Bridget Jones. Oh, yeah. So if you've seen that movie, she's the mother of Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill said that. So, and it's Winston Churchill. He's not wrong. He won the war. He said that also. (laughs) So take it up with him. Um, So uh, his grandmother really encourages Elton's, or Reginald's, ability. And brings him to uh, a piano, uh, a, a, a teacher, and teaches him piano and um, he already kind of has a really good ear for sounds. Yeah, it was a cool scene when yeah. when um, he's just the radio's on and he just walks up to the piano and sits down yeah. and he plays exactly what he just heard on the radio. That's when the grandmother heard it first, yeah. and then they were and then the mother 
who who smoked a cigarette the entire show. I cannot tell you how bad I wanted a pack of cigarettes <laughs> watching this movie. I love that she's like smoking and she hears him and she's like, well, I guess we should get him piano lessons then. <laughs> And I'm like, whoa! <laughs> so much love. I know. Uh, so, so that was that was a cool thing. That's yeah. So he I grows up a little bit, and she takes him to the start. Do you know who the kid is? The little boy. Not the little little the boy. Next the next little boy. One. The older little one. Yeah, it's Kit. That's Connor. Kit Connor, who plays Nick in Heartstopper. That was one of his first jobs, if not his first job. And has he sings? You know what's funny is when they saw the little Reginald. Yeah. I was like, he kind of looks like Kit Connor. And then the next one was Kit Connor. Connor. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I thought he was delightful. Yeah. I mean, his singing voice is fun. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he's very, he's adorable. You should tell him that he did a very good job because he was very nervous about it. And he doesn't sing in front of people. You did a good job, Kit. Good job. Good job, Kit. Well done. Uh, One of my favorite parts of the movie is You're the kind first, of an ear stopper, but it's okay. No, it's the kidding. first time um, he plays, he plays at a bar, and his mom and his dad, his, or his stepdad. Um, oh, we forgot. His dad walked out on them after his mom was having sex with a guy in their car in their driveway. And, yeah, but and I would like to point out that according to this movie, the father was an awful human being who showed oh, yeah. zero love for anyone in that Horrible. household. The, he was... The, Reginald was trying to bond with his dad, and he's like, Dad, I really loved it, because he would go into his study and play his records and not want to be bothered. And he was like, hey, Dad, I like this record. He goes, oh, come here, bring it here, son. Come here, bring it to me. And then he brought it to me, and he goes, don't fucking touch my records. <laughs> right? And it's like, dude, that's your son. Yeah. Anyway, so he walks out, but before he walks out, he goes, how dare you trap me in this marriage with that terrible child upstairs. Like, horrible things. Again. Right off the bat, when he's like in the, in the war or something, he's in some kind of war, and he comes home, he's, he's never really there. He's an absent father. And he comes in, and the mother's like, Reggie's not in bed yet. And he goes, I'll see him tomorrow. The guy's been gone for like, yeah. what, what seems like a year or two. Does not care Doesn't at care. all about his son. Anyway, so he leaves. We go, um, Reginald's playing his first gig at this bar. His mom, his mom's boyfriend, his grandmother there. And there's this guy puts his beer on the piano, and uh, he's like, "What you gonna play?" But then he looks at the guy next to him. And he goes, "Can I get a fag?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "There's one right there." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Um, but it would crack Poor me little up Reggie. Because uh, for those who don't know, we're not just throwing slander around here. Uh, that is what they called a cigarette back, a single cigarette back in England. Maybe that I don't think that's still what they use as slang. But back then, a fag was a single cigarette. Um, so he asked for a fag. Fag started to play. <laughs> and um, I thought it was kind of cool because he's playing and then a bar fight breaks out. And that's their transition from little Reginald to older Reginald, who played by uh, Taron Edgington. A guy gets thrown out the bar window and he comes walking out and they're doing the little song and dance thing. Um, and then... Uh, he gets picked, him and his band, they're like, oh, you're good. Why don't you come play as the band for this soul singer? So they go on the road. Yeah, they've got some um, American soul singers that are traveling through um, England, and they're um, and they're, play, they're the backup band. Yep. Um, and that is the first time we see, and I didn't realize this. Um, and I'll throw this out now because... Um, um, so this wasn't the scene, but he kisses a boy. 
he, you know, he's before he goes on stage, one of the, um, oh, the backup singer, singers, the backup singers, pulls him over and he starts kissing him, and uh, that's when you realize, oh, he's gay. But we all knew because the guy called him a fag back in the bar. So um, later on in the movie, there's a sex scene. Did you know that this movie, and this surprised me because this movie only came out a couple of years ago, is the first major studio to have a gay male sex scene in a movie? This movie is? This movie is. Now, do you remember when this movie came out? Like 2015, 2016? Like, no, but I mean... 2017? When it came out, I, I mean, I feel... 2019! Like people were complaining that there weren't... That, that the gay sex was cut out of it. And I'm watching this like... No, it wasn't. I think that they were saying that about Bohemian Rhapsody. There oh, a, you're yeah, right. They were you're talking right, about the right. gay okay. sex being cut out. Or them, because uh, Freddie Mercury was bisexual. Yes. Um, they you're suppressed correct. the gay thing. But this was the first, and I'm I like, wrong. I'm like, this movie came out in 2019. How, there was gay sex before that, but it was all independent films. Oh, Major really? Studios up until this point had no gay male sex scenes. Now there were lesbians. Oh, there were girl on girl action, but no gay male sex until this that. movie. Yeah. So um, he kisses the boy, and then. He, um, I love how he, and I don't know if this is accurate. Again, I don't know what in this movie is accurate or not. But the way he came up with his name. Yeah. Elton, who was one of his bandmates' names. And he threatened. His <laughs> he's like, I'm going to take this. your name. Like, I don't remember what his last name was. But let's say his Dean. name was Dean. It was Dean. Elton Jean. He goes, Elton I'm going to change my name because Reginald Bureau. Oh, he's like, I'm thinking of changing my name. Yeah. He goes, he goes what are you going to change it to? Elton. This? Elton, Elton what? Dean? Elton Dean. He goes, he goes that's, that's my, my name. name. He goes, I know. And it's like, don't be a dick, Elton right. Dean. <laughs> right? Um, but so he then, like, when he when he comes up with it, is that how he came up with the name? That's what I'm guessing. But he was like, in he the liked movie, Elton. he's like, I'm going to be Elton. And then he just. Because he liked the guy's name. And somebody asks him, what is your name? And he says, Elton. And then he sees a picture of the yeah. Beatles. And he, he goes to this uh, music manager's office. And he's like, oh, I want to be a musician. And he's like, uh, well, what's your name? And he goes, uh, Elton. And he goes, Elton what? And he looks over and there's a picture of the Beatles on the wall. And they zoom in on uh, John Lennon and he goes, John. I'm Elton John. And Caitlin's telling me that's not really what happened. So well, it movie, happened in the movie, so we're going with it. Line number one. Why, how did he come up with it? Uh, his saxophonist and his vocalist. So he combined the saxophonist so and his vocalist says, names. What's your name? Audrey. Elton. What's your name? John. Not anymore. It's my name. <laughs> so um, he goes to this music well, producer. Well, he is the one who's still standing. That is true. Can we talk real quick about yes. the about the guy that he had the meeting with in the movie? Where oh, he, yes, because I know you had a crush on him. <laughs> his, name, his name is Charlie Rowe. And I forget the name that the guy is. Something Williams. I want to say like Andy Williams. I'm sure that's not it. He plays this guy that that is... Um, works at a music manager's office, and, and he's sitting in the big shot guy's desk, and he's... What's his name? Charlie Rowe is the actor's name. He plays Ray Williams. Ray Williams. And so um, he's... But but you think the whole time that he's the big music manager, and then at the end of the scene, Dick something. Oh, yeah. Pops the thing, and, and it's just... He's like, get out of my chair! But Dick I thought, has a foul mouth, and part of me, like, you're very endearing. Part of me is like, you're a dick. And he is a dick. Yeah. Well, Charlie Rowe, um, I thought he was adorable, and I thought he deserved for us to talk about him. Sure. He, he played a cool character in the movie who got screwed over by Elton John, um, and he was adorable. Eh, but I noticed... It's business. Well, it's, is, is it business when... I mean, it, 
they keep According saying the that. It was. I have an interesting fact about it, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm on tangents. Anyway, Charlie Rowe, he's, he's in a movie that's coming out that looks so adorable and it makes me cry talking about it. It's called Gigi and Nate. So okay. check it out. But he plays this um, uh, kid who um, becomes a paraplegic and his mom, played by Marsha Gay Harden, Marcia Gayhard, who I um, love, who I love um, is like, I'm going to get him a service animal and she gets him a service animal that's a monkey. It's a true story Ooh. based on a true story. And the town... True story, monkey, Marsha Gay Harden. So it's like, I'm sold. Yeah, so I'm going to watch that when it comes out. I hope there's a gay character in it. We'll tell you all about it. Yes. So here's the thing, right? Marsha Gay Harden. So it's on the docket. I mean, we're going to jump on. We're going to go through all the details of this thing because you all know who Elton John is. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but we'll talk about different parts of the movie. So the... the um, he he has this manager, Dick and Ray, are helping him build yeah. his career, and his career takes off. And then this other guy, Rob Stark, yes, okay, <laughs> comes yes. into the picture. Um, his name is because I went down a rabbit hole with this guy, John Reed, who is right the, because he's in Bohemian Rhapsody too. Yes, because he for a short time managed Queen for right. four or five years, but before that, he went to jail. He went to prison in New Zealand. Uh, a year before he started managing uh, Queen because he was at a party and threw champagne in the party host's face and when this uh, female journalist came over to check on him he punched her in the face he just decked her and then left went to another party had an incident with another journalist at a nightclub got arrested spent a year in prison for assault my god yeah. that adds up now I think he really did punch Elton John yeah, yeah. so yeah so he convinces Elton to leave Dick and Ray and let him be his manager. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't... Well, they're also having sex, so that right. helped. So, but that's what I mean. It's like, it's, it's, it's not business. That was personal. Yeah. And he used that to get him to walk away from them. But if you remember in Bohemian Rhapsody, um, Elton, I mean, um, Freddie Mercury was sleeping with somebody who told him to ditch this guy is his manager and take him. So mm -hmm. what he did to Elton John happened to him back with Freddie Mercury. Him. So, boom. Take that. Also, many, 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 because after they, him and Elton John broke up as a couple, he stayed his manager. And then back in the 90s, they ended up parting ways because uh, John Reed was stealing money from him, allegedly. Right, but in the movie, they make you think that he left him because they broke up. Yeah. But that's not true. No, he, he was his manager, his manager for decades. For the entire time. Um, I don't know what's true anymore. Anyway, so Bernie Toppin, who's his writing partner, they've been writing music for 50 plus years now. Um, they met because they Elton went to that place uh, and met the, the Dick managers. And Ray. Dick and Ray. He went to Dick and Ray's and they gave him an envelope with Bernie's lyrics and said, hey, see what you can do with this. So uh, they move in together, become writing partners. Um... Elton finds out, well, he finally comes to terms that he's gay. He has a girlfriend at the time. They're living at her place. So she kicks him out. When She's completely made up, by the way. Not real. Is she? Yes. See? You don't know what now to he, believe. Th there was someone else that he was dating and engaged to. And somebody convinced him to tell her that he was gay. So this this character in the show Just took the place on. of her. Um, so they move in without. Oh, and I want to say Bernie yes. Galvin is played by Jamie Bell. Oh, yes. Who, who was Billy uh, Elliot. In the, and in also, their movie. Um, what's that sex movie? Um, Amelia, uh, the Grey. Um, oh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. That's him, Jimmy no. Bell. Yeah, yeah. He's not in the lead in that. Yeah, let me no, double check. No, that's Dorian Gray. No, Dorian. that's the name of the character. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he was. 
No, nah, J.B. Bell was not in that. He, Who was the lead in Fifty Shades of Grey? So, um, Jamie Bell, he's in, um, he's in a, a USA. Oh, wait a minute, I'm looking at the picture. That is not the guy. Sorry. Yeah, no. I'm sorry to this man. No, I he do was, not know this he was man. in Billy, he was in Billy Elliot. He was in that movie that Hayden Christensen was in called Jumper. Oh, I do remember uh, that movie. He was in that, yeah. Who is, who is it? In the Jamie Fifty Shades Dornan. of Grey. Jamie Dornan. He's Christian. Oh, Grey. Jamie Dornan. You know yeah. what, Brits, stop naming all your kids Jamie. <laughs> You're so, confusing. Uh, but you know what, That when we talked about Wham, whatever, however many episodes yeah. ago that was, and how much we loved the guy that was the other guy in Wham, whose name escapes me all yes. of a sudden, um, that, this movie made me love Bernie Talman. Yes. Ber- I mean, he's, his, he's his, his constant throughout his entire life. Yeah. His and- parents didn't care for him. His grandmother was old, so she died s- soon after. Um, his wife didn't love him. Yeah, he got married. Yeah, to a lady. What was that about? Uh, his boyfriends didn't love him. Um, society for a time didn't love him, but Bernie was always there. Yeah, he was. Um, I don't know what. <laughs> he was I a know, ride or die. I know it sometimes. I don't know. Anyway, he but the um, like he convinced Elton like because people were telling Elton John, look, you, you're good on the piano and you can sing, but. You don't look like a, like a star. Yeah. And because he wasn't, they didn't think he was good looking enough, so they wanted to put Bernie was like, it's, no, you need to do this. Yeah. And he's like, I have faith in you. And even when Elton John like hit on him, he's like, I love you, man. Not like that. He was like a brother to me. And then he's, but then it never skipped a beat. Yeah. It was always there for him. So they're, they're side by side. Elton falls down that, that rabbit hole of drugs and alcohol. Um, he's snorting cocaine. He's drinking a lot. He's taking pills. He's chasing those pills with more alcohol. He's just, like, completely... I mean, I'm surprised, based on this movie. I don't know the facts. But based on this movie, I'm surprised Elton's alive today. I 100%. Mean, there should have been a dozen times when we were like, oh, remember that when Elton John died in the 70s or died in the 80s? He was How did good- he... What, what, what I'm most curious about is how he escaped AIDS. Oh my god! I thought the same thing. I was like, "You were doing this up in the eighties, yeah, in the in the in the late seventies, and all throughout the eighties." And he's a he's a professed. He says he's a sex addict. He says he's got anger management problems, uh, and just all of this going in the eighties blows my mind. Yeah. Now maybe, and I'm I'm just saying. You want to blow his mind? Um, blow. Maybe he has. Maybe he does have it. Oh, you think? I don't know. I know that there's a lot of actors and musicians and people who are, you know, very quiet about whether they have it. Um, So maybe he does have it or doesn't have it. I don't know. I don't know anything because I don't know what's true in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, you know, um, did you know the, the, when he got the, when he went to take the, or to audition for the Royal Academy? Right, because they yes. thought like when he was a kid, like oh, let him go out just for the Royal Academy. Think he's gonna be. In. And he went there without anything prepared, and he just mimicked what that teacher was playing, which I thought was a cool moment. I just wrote down cool moments. Um, do you know what the um, who that actress was that played the? No, it was the lady that plays Rebecca's mom on Ted Lasso. Really? Yeah. No, good for her. I believe that before. to be one hundred percent true, and I'm gonna take something away from this to be true. Yeah. Because you can't tell what's true in this movie or not. No, it's 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 a very fantastical view of his life. Yeah. There's and a lot of musical numbers and, and fantastical yeah. elements. He 
when he's a kid, there's an orchestra in his bedroom, and he floats playing the piano. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's- one well, a scene too where it's like where it, it really gets fantastical is Crocodile Rock. Yes, and and it's a really cool scene because it's sort of like it's this idea that his career is about to take off. And which, that's when he floats up. Yeah, which, the audience floats up. Which is not uh, he did not play Crocodile Rock in that performance. No, in real life because it came out later, much later. Yeah, well, we mentioned or it earlier. I don't remember. At the very end of the movie, he plays "I'm Still Standing," and they recreate the music video and everything, and that came out in the early '80s. And he didn't go to rehab, you said, in the until the late 80s. Well, it's on 1990, I think, is when he got sober. Uh, so, yeah, so that wasn't really... I, I thought I'm Still Standing was his I'm coming out yeah. sober, you know, taking on the role thing. But that's not true. It was way before. No, it doesn't mean it didn't become that. Yeah, it, uh, it became which is fine. his anthem, Now, when they did that, so at the end of this movie, like, it ends with the recreation of I'm Still Standing, did of the video, of the actual video. Now, they just recreated him and put him in to what was already the video, right? They didn't recreate the whole thing, did they? I don't know. Because it is, I mean, it is frame for frame, crazily similar. I do remember when the movie came out, there was a lot of emphasis that they did a a shot-for-shot remake of the music video for the end of the movie. And y'all, the 80s were crazy. Holy shit. (laughs) I just wrote, that video, Jesus Christ. (laughs) That video was nuts. Why the people painted in the weird stripes? And Elton... I, Every watching this whole movie, when something got like really out there, all I did was I looked at the camera in my living room and I shrugged. I was like, Elton. Yeah, you know, I thought Targan. That's his name, Targan. Um, uh, uh, um, Ter- Taron Edger- oh, Egerton. Taron. Who, by he, the way, he's, he's a very good-looking guy. I love him. He's in those Kings, the first two Kingsmen. Yeah, I love the Kingsmen. Love. Him. He's a great actor. Um, but he is a really good-looking guy mm-hmm. who was playing somebody who is supposed to be not not Taron Edgington attractive. Right. And so there's that scene when he's asking the guy in the Soul Band and like, "Hey, how does a?" He says, "How does a, a fat." Englishman, make yeah. I was like, bitch, you ain't, you are you not fat. fat. And then they show him having a sex scene later on. I was like, mm, that one, there's no fat. You mean the first sex scene in the Matrix? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, can I just say, um, he's a dick in this, but um, what is it? Robert Madden, jo- uh, Rob Stark. Yeah. I think I'm in love with him. Oh yeah. I think I am in love with, him. and not just in love with him from Game of Thrones when I think he's hot. But he's so aggressive in this. And I just really, really, really <laughs> liked it. <laughs> Do you know what one of my favorite moments of the movie was? What? Was when he when he first moved in, he and, and um, Bernie first moved in with his mom. And the mom's just sitting at the table smoking a cigarette, complaining about all the stuff she has to do in her life. And... Bernie hands the lyrics to your song yes. to him. And then he goes and upstairs. And then goes upstairs to shave. And then... Elton John starts playing it and everybody in the house just slowly comes and stands around and and it was like just that moment between these two guys that were friends and that moment of like it's like Elton was saying this is your song to Bernie and it was just this completely platonic love and that was great when you were watching this movie every time they mentioned Bernie did you want to say it like they do in Chicago Bernie he's one of the names in the uh, Seltango oh no I didn't know 
So, so Brent, it's hard so for me to hear Bernie and not think Bernie Sanders. Bernie. So what do you think Rotten Tomatoes did with this? You know what? Everyone loved this movie. No, um, I th- I know that more critics liked it than didn't. I know that back when it came out, it was it was it was a hit with audiences and everything. Um, so I'm gonna say critics gave it a 88, and audiences gave it a 92. Um, well, it for sure is no season two of Single Drunk Female. What is? <laughs> but what is? Uh, 89. Okay. Critics right. and 88. All right. I've never seen them that close. Yeah. There you that was go. Pretty good. I this critic, I will say, I I actually really liked it. I, I loved d- it. Yeah. I, I didn't think really that good. I would. And I will say this, and I'm sure we'll talk about this movie down the road too. Um, and I, you compare them because it's both LGBTQ singers. Who had fantastic careers? They came out within a, the movies of them came out a couple of years within each other, a year of each other. I like this a lot better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I did. Too. I didn't understand. I did not care for Bohemian Rhapsody. I felt like they it was just a very safe biopic. I felt like they didn't really cover a lot of what Freddie Mercury was and who he was. And I didn't understand all the love for that movie, all the money it made, and all the Oscars it won. Yeah. I didn't understand it. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's hard to put everything in there. Like, this movie didn't have anything about Ryan White or yeah. Princess Diana or any of his work in the AIDS crisis. Oh, yeah, this this like, this like movie ends this is about right drugs and when alcohol. he went into rehab. Yeah, this was um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I would love to see a sequel. But his work, his work um, with Ryan White and Princess Diana, all of that happened before he got sober. Really? Yeah, Ryan, wow. like, he didn't get sober until Ryan White died. Interesting. This yeah. was also this movie because they him and uh, Bernie wrote an original song for it. This was the first time that both of them were nominated for and won an Oscar together. Oh, Elton wow. John won for Lion King uh, that he did in the eighties with Tim Rice, but this was the first time the two of them worked on something that they got nominated and won an Oscar for. Oh, good for that. Good for Bernie. I'm and a I fan. was watching. Uh, I watched their acceptance speech right before we did this, and it was given to them by uh, Brie Larson, Sigourney Weaver, and Gal Gadot. All three of them wearing the strangest looking dresses. I've ever seen. <laughs> Who knew that on that stage, so Elton John would be the normalest <laughs> looking one? That was you know one thing I love about um, true stories is when they go back yeah. and they show the pictures. <gasps> oh my god, the, the credits! The yeah, credits, I love it. The credits were worth it. Yeah. in this movie, so it's it's a good one. Side say. by side, fantastic. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here yes. with this one. So, but next time we're gonna start talking about scary yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's October, it's so gays and scaries. We're gonna talk about that intersectionality. But until then, the cork is back in the bottle. <laughs>